This is a Hot Pie Media Original. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp assesses your needs and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating with them in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not a self-help line. It's professional therapy done securely online with a broad range of expertise, which might not be available in local markets. The services are available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and even send messages to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, and you can schedule weekly online video or phone sessions, so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room again. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so that they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials. Visit betterhelp.com SSS. That's betterhelp.com SSS, the code for Stop Self-Sabotage, and join the over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp help that they are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. So don't forget the special offer for Stop Self-Sabotage listeners is to get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com SSS. If you like Stop Self-Sabotage, check out another Hot Pie Media original, The Blueprint, brought to you by The Festive Kitchen, now offering comfort food hugs. Find them at www.festivekitchen.com. We're in our leading experts section, and I'm talking with Dr. Tom McDonald. Tom, how are you? Fine. Good to talk to you again. Good to talk to you. Now, I know you are one of the management gurus of, of the world and talk all around the world. And you and I have been friends for a lot of years on the speaking circuit. Tell us a little bit about your background, Tom. Well, there's a number of things. It's a bit of a uh, checkered past, if you will. <laughs> uh, actually, uh, I uh, used to be a Catholic priest which, you know, bringing the skills and sensitivity forward from that, um, I got into psychology. Uh, I was always interested in psychology and um, got a Ph.D. in clinical psychology. And during that period, uh, I had the unique opportunity of being uh, uh, the teaching assistant to uh, one of the world's great psychiatrists, Dr. Viktor Frankl, from Vienna. A lot of people have read about him and his work and about what's meaningful in life and and, and, and the work that you do. So uh, I consider that to be really a unique thing I can bring forward. Um, Then after that, uh, I worked, believe it or not, in the U.S. Congress for a couple of three years as a staff director on one of the subcommittees there. And then I got into um, speaking and I guess you would call it motivational speaking, but it's not rah-rah. No, I know. What works in business, what we know from psychology and research that works in business. And that leads me to uh, doing what I do now, which is speaking to companies and associations here and abroad on uh, how to be more effective, both uh, as a person and uh, as a professional. Right. And you um, have a monthly column. I do. In the Meeting Planners Inter- uh, International, right? Well, actually, the name of the magazine has changed. It's Successful Meetings Magazine. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, yeah, I do. It's called Real Results. And then uh, the opportunity to talk about any issue that I want to. But the only important thing is that whatever I talk about improves business results. That's right. So uh, I can talk about all the personal, professional issues that go on with people, but always to with the eye in mind of um, looking at uh, how this will improve your business. That's right. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So um, 
what's let's just start off with a, a broad question here. What's yeah. the biggest factor in success of any business? Well, obviously, there's many things involved in that. But to me, the increasing awareness today is that it's people smarts. It's how do you get the job done? Uh, you can certainly do the job yourself. That's why you're in business. But if you really want to expand your business or move beyond a one-person shop or one-person show, that involves leadership skills. You're going to lead other people to focus on the business goals that you have. And that really is about getting the job done through other people, not doing it yourself, because you can only leverage yourself if you use it through, do it through other people. Mm-hmm. So really, it's a question of how do you manage and motivate others in a world with decreasing resources? Uh, we'll yes. talk about that in a few minutes, but I've actually seen it listed. Somebody did some research that there's about 124 skills involved in managing and motivating others. And I thought, oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Who on earth can do that? So I've kind of distilled it down to a few simple things that are really uh, available to any ordinary human being who wants to put the work into learning about how to become a people skills person. Nobody can work any harder than they do today. I mean, we know for a fact that people um, spend more than, well, more than half their waking hours at work, either at home or at the office or traveling. Um, And so nobody that I know, given all the challenges people face in managing and motivating other people, can work any harder than they do. That's right. Just no way to put that time. You can't buy a 25th hour in a day, (laughs) no matter how much money you throw at it. (laughs) And I think that's true, too. You can't throw money at this thing. Um, It's not like uh, it's an issue of, well, let me just spend another $5,000 on marketing or something like that. It's just not going to work. Um, and technology is not the answer either. Everybody thinks that, well, we'll get a more jazzed up computer system or whatever. And we already know that people use computers only at about 10% of their efficiency today. So that means the computer that's sitting on your desk right now, the one that's sitting in front of mine, on my desk, I'm only using about 10% of what that computer can do. So it's not like I need to get a bigger, better system. Well, if you come to my desk, it's only 2%. 2%. Well, you know... (laughs) You and I are probably in the same boat. You press a few buttons. The only reason you know it does more than that is if you hit another button by mistake. (laughs) And something happens. Wow, I didn't even know it could do that. So really, these to me are are false starts. They're going down wrong roads if you think that working harder, throwing money, or getting more technology is the answer to, to being more successful in business. And we actually know what it takes. And I wish I could take credit for this, but you know, someone as great a manager as Jack Welch, arguably, I think Fortune magazine listed him as cited him as the number one manager in the world. Head of GE. Yeah, that used to be. He's yeah. Tired now a couple of years, but you know, still his wisdom lingers on and he actually went to his board of directors and said, uh, we have finally figured out what the essence of competitive advantage is in the marketplace. Now, that's a pretty big assertion for somebody who was the head of the number one most successful company in the world um, and the most admired company in the world. Um, and he said, really, the competitive edge is in the minds and hearts of the people in our organization. Mm-hmm. And our job is to to stimulate those minds, to focus them on the business challenges we have, and then get out of the way. That's right. That's right. 
That's so right. to me, that's the whole point of people smarts. It's it's how you get at the minds and hearts of people in an honest way and uh, give them what they need to fully become what they want to become. Um, so here we can talk number two. Is, if you want to go ahead, number two. We okay. Now, number two question here. I have a whole list here. It's kind yeah. of fun to, to go through. How many actually manage people well? Well, that's really a good question because people think that just because they give themselves or somebody gives them the name manager, that all of a sudden they've got uh, uh, a set of skills that are going to make it happen. But the latest research we have, uh, and this really was coming out of Harvard Business, um, is that only 10% of managers um, are effective. And by effective, that means they're able to get difficult, sometimes even improbable things to happen. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is these authors really did a quite a good job on uh, uh, describing what it takes and what skills people have. And what they said is that people who are effective as managers have two qualities. They have the ability to focus their attention and they have the energy to put to make it happen. Some people have a lot of focus, but no energy. Some people have a lot of energy, but no focus. And we, we certainly all know people like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And some people, and the saddest to say, really have no focus or no energy. And obviously, right. they're not successful at all. But the people who are successive are those that have both. Wow, that's a fascinating research. Well, I think so, because it really lays it out. And it gives you the opportunity, you as a person, to assess where you are on that scale. So you, your people can simply ask themselves five different, well, it's the same question, but from five different viewpoints on a scale of zero to 10, how much would they rate themselves as being an effective leader? That is how much focus and energy do they bring to the job? Do they think they bring to the job? Uh Uh That would be a number between zero and 10. Right. Then if they asked it from their boss's perspective, everybody has a boss, some type or another, what would their boss say about them, zero to 10? And then what would their colleagues say about them, their peers? If their peers got together and said, let's, let's have a discussion about uh, someone, mm-hmm. uh, this person that's listening, mm-hmm. they say on a scale of zero to 10 that they have a lot of focus and energy on the job. And then what about their direct reports, people that that report to them, what would they say? And then, of course, last, what would their customers say? Mm-hmm. Zero to 10. Mm-hmm. You add all those numbers up, divide by five, you'll get some kind of a people smart quotient. It'll be some number between zero and 10 that says, my gosh, this is where I am on this continuum. And, you know, if you're down at the five, four, three, two, one, well, you got some work to do. Right. And if you're up at six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you're definitely on the right track. The good news is that everybody will have something. Nobody right. will be at zero. Yeah. Everybody everybody's doing something right. Everybody's doing something good. Yeah. On the other hand, nobody's at ten. Yeah. Which means right. that there's room for improvement. And that's basically then what the people skills are. These are the areas where you need to improve if you really want to become a more effective leader. Okay. So how does someone become, um, you know, a more effective leader or a motivational Uh, expert? Well, there certainly are uh, skills that are available to them. And right off the bat, to me, um, I like to disabuse people of 
um, what I consider to be one of the great myths, and that is that you can motivate somebody, mm-hmm. literally. Mm-hmm. When you think mm-hmm. it through, it's fair to say that you really can't motivate anybody to do anything ever. Right. So don't even try. Yeah. <laughs> if, just, if anybody who's had children can understand this. Well, I'm sure they can. Yeah. It's a prescription for, for failure. But what you can do and must do is, both as a parent, as you just alluded to, and as a professional, is to create an environment where people will motivate themselves. Because motivation is an inner, an inner um, uh, generator. It's not something I have that I can push someone to do, but it's something that only they can do themselves. What I can do and must do is to create the environment where they will and want to and will, in fact, um, motivate themselves. So tell me, what does motivate people? Well, that's a good question, too, because obviously if these other things don't, we know that um, uh, 50 to 75 percent of people today are not really excited about their work. They go to work, they go inside the door, but that's just about it. And there's all kinds of stuff around that. But what does work, of course, and what the research shows, and when you interview people on exit interviews as to why they're leaving organizations, companies, it's always the same two issues. It's a question of achievement and recognition, that what motivates them is if they have the opportunity to achieve something which is meaningful to them, and if they're recognized for that achievement. Um, in the work needs to be interesting. They have to have responsibility and the opportunity to advance. But the number one and number two ones are achievement and recognition. Well, and you what's know, fascinating to me from a psychology point of view is that money never shows up on the list. You are right there at the heart of the matter, literally. Right. You don't have to, to uh, browbeat anybody. You don't have to. Uh, what, what you do have to do is stop ignoring people, for example. Um, uh when I uh, do my seminars, I always ask the audience, look back over the years you've been managed by people. What's the number one thing that your managers did? And I give them four choices because these are the only four things that people can do after somebody does something. Did they positively reward you for the job that you did? Did they negatively reward you? That is, did they take a threat away that they had made? Um, uh, or have they simply ignored uh, what you've done, or did they punish you? Or that is, you add a negative to what they've done. Mm-hmm. And the number one thing that everybody always says is that most managers that I've ever dealt with ignored what I did. Hmm. They just simply didn't pay attention to it. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't think it was worth. They didn't being... think it was important right. enough to pay attention. They had other things that were more important to them. Right. Which they may have had, but if they're in interested in motivating anybody, then they've got to get off the ignoring right. back and start catching people doing these things that, you know, creating opportunities for them to achieve things and then recognizing them for a job well done. So we can talk a little bit about each of those if you'd like. We Let's uh, let's just move here, though, to this the delegation. I think yeah. uh, we want to talk about that. Why should we practice delegation anyway? Well, the reason we're practicing it is because when you stop to think of it, um, how else do you provide somebody with an opportunity for achieving something unless you create that opportunity for them? And that's done by delegation. Most people suffer from the great 
bugaboo that if you want something done right, you got to do it themselves. Right. Do it yourself. Yeah. And we know, of course, then that when you kind of operate that way, um, there's really no room for anybody else um, because you're in there doing it a whole lot faster than uh, anybody else. Um, and of course, the job gets done, but you've just dug yourself a real deep hole. So you practice delegation because it's good for morale. It actually helps people feel good. Um, it optimizes the use of the people on your team because they are all pumping out the things that they do best because you've created that environment. It builds competence in people, not a confidence, but competence. They begin to gear up to doing well. And mm -hmm. the bottom line is you practice it so you can go home at night too. It's so simple, really, when you think of it. Instead of me conducting a meeting, all I've got to do is to take somebody aside a little bit beforehand and say, I'd like you to conduct this meeting because you've demonstrated that you work well with people and this would give you a good opportunity to improve those skills. Right. My gosh, what's happened is that uh, now you've got another person with those skills on your team. Exactly. Really kind of nice. Yeah, you bet. Now, are there risks when you delegate? Well, there really are because most people delegate as they're running out the door. <laughs> I mean, when I do a program, I actually demonstrate that. You know, I start walking off the stage and yell back at the audience. Now, what I'd like to have you do is have a, a report. Uh, I need a report on that. <laughs> and they have no idea what I'm talking about. They don't know what to do. And yet, if I continue on going out that door, they're going to just wallow in ignorance and uh, simply not get the job done in any meaningful way. So that's one of the risks is that it's never really clear what it is you want them to do. Um, and then, of course, we probably don't have any uh, way of tracking what they're doing because we haven't taken the time to do that. And or we've picked the wrong people that is they've got not enough experience um, to do the job, or they may be overly experienced, and this is a demeaning job for them to do. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. really what results is that there's a lot of confusion, a lot of frustration, a lot of miscommitments, and things like that. Um, but um, uh, there are things that can be done. So if you want to go ahead with the next, we'll get to those. Yeah. How do you, how do you go about delegating effectively? Well, there you are right again at the heart of if people say achievement is their number one motivating factor, then delegating to them has got to be the number one skill that you have. And it requires some time and energy. Um, and this is really what you would call an investment of your time and energy. Mm -hmm. um, so really, you would want to plan what it is you're going to delegate. Um, what specific functions, what specific tasks are you going to delegate? I honestly believe that if anybody looks on their plate uh, probably 50% of what's on their plate could be delegated to other people. Sure. That is that other people can do these things if they're given the opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, some things cannot be delegated. And those are really the core competencies that you particularly need to have as a manager, whatever those are. You can't delegate some of those, your responsibilities, but many, many things you can. And one of the things you do then is be very specific about what it is you're delegating and you, obviously, you want to delegate it to the right person. That's helpful. Yeah. I, I uh, have a, a little quick cheat sheet um, that um, gives you levels of authority. And I could, let me just mention it to you. Sure. A, at the simplest level would be a person who has 
very little experience, but you want to lead them along to kind of take a next step. And you then would delegate to them in a framework that said, go get the information, bring it back to me, and I'll decide what needs to be done. Now, that's about as safe and secure as you can get. You're asking someone to go out and get information about whatever the issue is. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the latest uh, direct marketing techniques? Um, could you go out and find that out and then bring it back and we'll discuss it? Mm -hmm. So they haven't really done anything other than doing good legwork, but they're moving. That's a level one. Level two would be if you tell them, tell me what you intend to do with that information before you act or go ahead and do it. So in other words, I'm saying not only go get the information, but you kind of think it through and tell me what you would do with that information. But before you do it, talk to me. Mm -hmm. So I'm building in again the security. I'm not giving away the shop, but they are doing more and they are feeling better and I'm feeling more secure. The third would be tell me what you did. In other words, go out, get the information, decide what needs to be done. And then tell me what you did. In other words, keep me in the loop. Right. Just don't let me be blindsided someday and find out that you went ahead and did something without telling me. Right. Because I'm right. still ultimately responsible as the delegator. Mm -hmm. And then the last would be, you know, with someone who has a lot of experience, uh, just go out and do what you need to do and don't come back to me unless you need help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. somewhere on those four levels, the person that you are going to delegate to is going to be situated. And it's up to you to take the time to figure out where is this person? Everybody's going to be different. You're going to have some people in your team that are brand new. So you can't, you want to put them on level one. There's going to be some people who are on your team who are much more experienced than that. They may be at level two and three, and then somebody may partner up with you uh, who would be kind of demeaning, demeaned if you told them, delegated to them and kind of watch them. Uh, so you let them go ahead and just do their deal and uh, everybody benefits. Right. That's so, that's very handy. That's yeah. very handy. And we should be thinking about that when we delegate, because I don't know about you, Tom, but I mean, at times I've asked people to do things and then I get something back and I know that it represents my communication, but exactly. it's like, how could I have been that far off? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's, <laughs> you know? that's point of one of the other points about delegating to people that you want to give them a thorough briefing on the background of why you're delegating this, who's involved, what the status is, and what you expect from them specifically. Like when I, when I ran out the door, I didn't tell them what I expected from them. I just said, more or less, do something. But mm -hmm. if I really had taken the time and said, what I expect from you is a 10-page report in one month uh, uh, that costs uh, no more than $5,000 to generate. Um, and I'd like you to spend probably only three hours per week on it. That's very specific. Right. And right. it says, you know, hey, these are the things that you're, you're dealing with. Uh, do you understand it? So you want to hear back from them? Yes, I understand it. Um, can you do it? Yes, I can do it. Will you do it? Yes, I will do it. Right. I have to use those words, of course. But right. Those but are the concepts you want to get across. It's a commitment. Yeah. It's a con. It's a, a verbal contract. A verbal contract, literally. Okay. And so just follow up with a mechanism that says, just shoot me an email once a week to let me know your progress. So um, how do you? Let's move on here just for a second. How do you recognize people effectively? We're talking about recognition. How important it is. How do you do that? Uh, 
Well, this is where there's a huge disconnect because um, everybody thinks they recognize people more than they actually do. The research shows that when you ask managers on a scale from never to sometimes to often to very often, where do you put yourself as giving positive feedback to your employees? 83% of the managers who were researched uh, said that they did it very often. Then what the researchers did is they actually went and asked their direct reports, their employees, mm -hmm. and they found out that only 21%, they said only 21% of the time were they ever given very often positive feedback. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you stop to think about why is this, if, if we know that this is one of the two top motivators, why do we do so little of it? Well, because people are overwhelmed. Right. They've got so much stuff on their plate that they can't really catch anybody doing anything good. What they do is they catch them when problems arise. Right. Well, that's what jumps out at you. Yeah. And you can no longer avoid it. When a customer calls and says, look at your idiot uh, customer service person there just told me, just blew me off. And you're going to obviously pay attention to that. But, you know, if nobody calls you and your customer services person is doing a great job, well, how do you know that? Yeah. Unless you actually go look. Yeah. Well, so um, bottom line, it's that. It's it's figuring out what's important to people. Um, uh, you know, you can simply ask them, uh, tell me what you would like if you do a certain job, what would be important to you as a reward for that particular job? So I ask them what's important. You make a menu of these things so that you can keep it in front of your own eyes. Um, you select things at random so that you're not doing it by rote. Um, uh, oh, you reward yourself even. You know, well, monitor your own behavior. Are you, in fact, becoming a more caring, thoughtful, rewarding manager? And if you are, then, of course, that's an achievement. And then, of course, you would want to be rewarded for that. So sure. self-reward. So um, and sometimes random, spontaneous rewards, just because you've been doing a great job, not for any specific reason. Yeah. And, you know, you have really hit it. And I didn't mention this before, but one of the largest research studies ever done was done by uh, the Gallup poll. Over 25 years, they've been tracking people. Over, well over a million people as to what motivates them. Mm -hmm. And the number one, the number one thing that came out of all of that research was what motivates me most is a simple thank you from my immediate boss. Now, you couldn't get more focused than that. Wow. Not money, not all this other stuff, but just simply two words, thank you, you know, embellished a little bit for doing a great job, but not from the head of the organization at the tip top who's remote, but from their immediate boss, the one that in fact creates the environment for that particular person. You know, it's basically um, a one-on-one -on -one many, most times. Yeah. I mean, there are layers, but but uh, it, it's, a, it's a pretty direct uh, well, interaction. Well, you know, if that's the case, which I know it is, that's perfect because what you're saying is that you know, pull a few levers here, push a few levers there, and you're just about at the heart of uh, what it means to be a success in business. Okay, another question. Are there problem areas in motivating other people? There really are a couple of areas that I just want to mention. And one of them is get out of your mind the whole deal of managing people. You really manage cows. 
uh, you motivate people. And so how do you become a good coach? And I think this is really where, so you want to be a good listener, develop the skills for that. Uh, you don't want to be a therapist to somebody. It's very, very uh, uh, seductive to be in a position where you're coaching somebody and then start slipping into becoming more of a therapist with them. Um, you're not a therapist. You're not a professional at that. So you want to really kind of want to stay out of getting a- any depth into personal problems or things, even though they may be impacting what they're doing. You certainly can identify them, but if it's if it's beyond just a suggestion as to how to do a better job, you start verging on to being more therapeutic, right? Uh, going into their background and their parents. You need to refer them if they're having refer real them emotional. Out to somebody, absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's the best yeah. thing you can do for them and for yourself. You know, ask them what their needs are. Uh, stick to their requests for help. Uh, point out some blind spots. Of course, that's what a coach does. But they don't, you know, don't get involved in the remediation of that if it's a serious issue. Offer constructive feedback. One of the things about giving feedback I just wanted to mention was uh, even if you're giving positive feedback, um, I've noticed that some people give what's really called a dirty positive. What's that? Well, a dirty positive would be, yes, I'm giving you positive feedback, like you really did a great job. And then you throw in a zinger like it's about time or ah. something like that, which it, it makes the positive statement dirty. Right. Um, but like, uh, you haven't done it for years. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Or a but. Yeah, or a but. But a but zings in a negative, And before you know it, all they hear is the negative mm-hmm. and the positive is wiped away. Mm-hmm. So just be careful of what, you know, are called dirty positives. And, you know, you're 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 getting them yourself if you hear somebody say something nice to you and then you feel a. A, a, a quick kick in your stomach. Right, right. The words generally won't tell you what they just did, but you certainly will feel it. Right, and exactly. same thing as if you watch somebody and you would think they'd be smiling when you gave them a positive comment, and if they have a grimace on their face, it's a good chance that you just gave them a dirty positive. Tom, you've been telling us some of the wonderful material on management, on all the work that you do with companies. Any last words of of hope and encouragement here for people who want to build their businesses? Well, uh, there's a few things that I would just say at the end of something like this. And one of them is to be very, very careful about holding back when you're trying to delegate to other people. You can always take things back, but... Most of us simply don't do what we know works. Um, there's all kinds of, we learn it theoretically, but we just don't take the steps to do it. So I would say just pick one or two of the things that we've talked about and make it your goal for a month to focus only on that. Um, and uh, you, you, you'll learn a lot. You'll become a good learner. And that's really the goal here is to be a consistent learner because everything changes and the only way, is, way I know that you can keep your head above water is to continually learn about yourself and about other people. I've given you some ideas about what works with people, people skills, but the only one that's going to make any difference here is yourself. Right. Put back when to do something like this. Um, so, so take a month and focus in on recognizing people. That's exactly it. Or take a month okay. and focus in on delegating more. Yeah, yeah. Um, the ones that that are going to really, somebody once said something like this, and in times of change, learners inherit the earth. Mm -hmm. The learned 
find themselves beautifully equipped to deal while the learned uh, find themselves beautifully equipped to deal with a world that no longer exists. In other words, once you've learned something, you're pretty much going to have to start learning again. Yes. And that's what these tapes are all about, is to help people be right. continuous learners. And that's I right. I hope that uh, my little two cents have helped in that regard. Oh, it has, Tom. Thank you so much. Sure. Such bright, interesting material. Oh, good. And um, so okay. go out there, keep learning, keep your heart open, become smarter with dealing with people, and it'll all pay off in your business. Sounds good to me. Episodes and all of our other Hot Pie Media originals Baked fresh daily at our home online at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.